computers have changed the world. It's like the most obvious thing you can say, right? But uh, they've certainly changed my world. I was just thinking uh, back, how long ago did I buy my first computer? And I actually have the paperwork on it. <laughs> so let me share that with you. Uh, May 31st. Uh, 1991, so not quite 30 years ago, I paid $1,767 for a computer that had a 386 motherboard, 2 megabytes of RAM, 2 megabytes, 80 megabyte hard drive, uh, two floppy disks drives, the five and a quarter and three and a half inch, had a MS-DOS 401 software installed, so yeah, this is pre-Windows, 14 inch monitor, and so I, I worked on it, figured out uh, how to use DOS. I had a friend that uh, was pretty good at d typing the commands in on the command line, so I looked over his shoulder. And then uh, we moved on to Windows, and that changed the world. Uh, since then, I think I've had about eight or nine computers. About nine years ago, I bought a, a MacBook Pro, my first Apple product, uh, first Apple computer anyway. Uh, when my last desktop Windows PC died, I don't know, a few years after that, I ended up using the MacBook as my main computer for a number of years. And I, I looked at it, I upgraded it, put a, like a terabyte solid state drive in it and tripled or doubled or quadrupled the RAM in it. So that it was a nice machine. I still use it a lot. Uh, but last year, uh, I ended up buying a 27-inch iMac just over a year ago. Had a really good winter, had good business, so I kind of splurged. <laughs> and, and to me, that's the best computer I've ever had. And, and so... You know, I could geek out on the hardware, but the fact is the computers have indeed changed our lives. I write on a computer, I make graphics, I store uh, photographs, I communicate with friends and people around the world. Thanks to the internet and computers, of course, I have access, as do you, to the bulk of mankind's total knowledge. I know we watch cat videos and, and sling darts at each other. Uh, you know, but having access to all that knowledge is certainly daunting in and of itself. Hey, this is Tim Patterson. And uh, you've got Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee again. Thanks for joining me. Or unless it's your first time, this is a blog slash video blog slash podcast that I do once a week. Posted uh, on Monday mornings at tradeshowguyblog.com. Mostly a business type of blog, interviews and things like that. We'll get to that in just a second. Uh, but there's some personal stuff that comes in there. I've been doing this for, is this the fourth year? 2016. 17, 18, 19. Yeah, this is the this is the fourth year. We're 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 moving into the end of the fourth year here. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, I have an interview to share with you about a year and a half, not quite two years ago. I connected with a sales trainer named Jeff Bajoric, and we had a great conversation about sales. You can find it. I'll put the link in the show notes so you can go back and watch this. But uh, with all of what's going on in the world and how people are, you know, businesses are trying to pivot to this or that. Uh, and, and make sales, of course. Uh, nothing happens until a sale happens. I mean, you know, sales run the world. Uh, nobody gets paid unless somebody buys something or somebody sells something. Those kind of go hand in hand. So I thought it might be fun to get together with Jeff again and see what he's doing, see how some of the people he's working with are approaching, uh, you know, making sales in this day and age. And here is how that uh, fun interview went. Uh, I got Jeff Bajoric here on Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee. Jeff, it's uh, second time around for you. Really appreciate it. Thanks for making time. I, I'm glad to see you. I am really glad to be here. It's not often I get invited back. Yeah, well. Places, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, so uh, you do sales training, you're a speaker, workshop facilitator, mm -hmm. podcast host, I, you know, a lot of stuff that I probably don't know about. So let's get kind of a, a thumbnail sketch of what you do and, and how long you've been doing this here in the sales world. Oh, wow. Um, so I've been selling 
Well, I'm coming up on my 16th anniversary, August 12th, 2004. That was my wow. sales birthday. Um, <laughs> so it's, uh, I've been doing this for a long time. My business has been open a little more than five years though. I've been helping sales teams perform better. Sales teams, salespeople, um, I, I challenge people to rethink the way they sell. And it turns out that um, the more I dig, the less people are thinking and the more they actually like to be challenged. So it's, it's kind of weird to have people invite me back on their podcasts or send me messages on LinkedIn that say, we love listening to your show. It's like, man, I'm just here talking to myself. Like this is an odd kind of dynamic, but I'm happy that it's helping people. And um, I think I mentioned it before we started here, like in this weird time, since I'm not traveling the way I am, I'm playing more golf and I'm playing better golf than I've ever played. And at the same time, I'm also doing more work and better work than I've ever done. I'm really proud of what I'm up to right now. And Good. Um, it, it's, it feels like, and maybe it gets that, you know, to that 10,000 hour rule, right? I mean, I've been working at this longer than 2000 hours a year for sure. <laughs> for sure. <that laughs> five year, you know, that five year, 10,000 hour kind of thing. Maybe I'm starting to be onto something. I don't know. Yeah. It's a little arbitrary, but I, but I get it. The more you do it, the, the better you get at it. Now I've been in sales although I kind of stumbled into it in 2002. So it's been a couple of years longer and I had to learn along the way. And I, when I first got into it, I, I asked a sales guy, a friend, I said, what do you do? He says, well, let me give you these Tom Hopkins tapes, you know, so <laughs> start there. right? <laughs> and I understand that's a good baseline, I guess. And then time went by and, and, and four or five years ago, I took a, a year long Sandler sales training class, which I think really, really set me up uh, for a lot of good stuff. Yeah. Um, but again, that was only a year and you still have to keep doing the thing and, and on and on. So uh, sales is such an interesting thing. You talk about rethink your sales. So what kind of things, uh, when you work with your clients, uh, are you rethinking uh, based on what used to be and, and what, what can't be anymore, I guess? So many people fall into one of two categories. Um, they do things this way because they were told to do them at some point right. or they're looking for someone to tell them what to do. And it's like, <laughs> hold on. I get it. Like it's, it's confusing. It is daunting. It is um, terrifying to some people, but they feel like they're in this position. They've got an opportunity. They want to make, they want to make the most of it. So just show me how to do it and I'll do it. And I go back to, you know, from an early age, we go to school and we're taught to get the answers right on the test. Yeah. Seth Godin talks a lot about this. Like we're taught to get the answers right. And we ask, you know, a week before the final exam, is this going to be on the test? And if it's not going to be on the test, we all just tune out. We don't pay attention, right? It's like, it's right. not important if it's not on the test. And when you take the test, get the answers right. So people are afraid to think for themselves because they believe that they're going to be judged on how many right answers they get. So give me a recipe, give me a guide, give me a script, give me what it is. And then at the same time, outside of work, They'll talk about how they don't like what they've been given. And then what are we trying to accomplish here? What are we trying to do? And, and when I work with salespeople, particularly people who are new and kind of doe-eyed, deer in headlights, kind of, <laughs> I don't, you know, and, and it's like, okay, what are we trying to accomplish? On this very call, uh, you know what, Jeff, I don't know. Okay, cool. Well, let's think about this. What yeah. do we want to have happen? Well, there's a process to selling, right? And as much as we've heard that sales is different, sales is not different. The way we sell may have changed a little bit, but sales is not different. There is still a process that you have to go through. You have to get someone's attention. You have to have a meaningful conversation to understand their problems better sometimes than they do. And then to see if your solution is even a fit before you go and present to them how you can help them. 
and I think you hit on something. I'll let me interrupt you because I think that's mm-hmm. the biggest challenge a lot of salespeople have is that they want to sell what they have to this person over here. And it may be, I think the most important thing, and it took me a long time to learn that, what you have may not work for them. And if that's the case, the sooner you discover that, the better off both of you are. A hundred percent. Yeah. And, um, you know, prescription without diagnosis is malpractice. My friend James <laughs> Muir said that, um, says it all the time. And, and I love it because I have a medical background, but the, the idea that, you know, not only do you not know if what you have is going to be able to work for somebody, you are trying to accomplish a multi-step process in a single call. And that's where I see most people failing. They don't know what they're going to do going into that initial prospecting phone call. Like they think they're going to get someone on the phone or they're going to walk into an office, knock on the door and a decision maker is going to answer and they feel like they have to deliver this whole spiel and hopefully get a signature on their way out. It's like, okay. And I want to say, what's your hurry? Except I know what their hurry is. is They've got a manager breathing down their neck with (laughs) expectations. (laughs) And it's like, hold on. What if we can just slow this down? What if we understand that we need to get their attention before we can convey any kind of a message? And before we can convey any kind of a message, we need to ask them some questions about what their problems are. We go through a process in selling that really hasn't, a, a sales process that really hasn't changed, even though the way we sell is a little bit different with technology and, and video now instead of in person right. and social media and everything. So what are we trying to do here? And so many people cannot answer that question. And that's a really important question. Uh, you know, it, question. it may be very, maybe very small. Like you've got a five minute phone call. You just want to find out a couple of things. And then if there's a second step, make sure you both agree on the second step. Uh, and if there's no second step, then you both agree on that. And thanks for your time. Goodbye. See you later. Uh, and so I, you're right. I think a lot of people have this idea of, uh, uh, you know, I'm in the trade show exhibit selling business sure. and that's a big, big thing. You're, you're, yeah. There's a lot to that. There's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of people that have to be involved in that decision. And so it took me a long time to figure that out, that it is a long process. Um, and, and so especially on the bigger sales like that, you know, a car sale is, is certainly a lot different. Uh, and the image of a car salesperson is certainly mm-hmm. a lot different. Uh, but, but when it comes to the process and, and how people sell, when, when you look at the, and you talk to the people that you either work with directly or some of the people that are involved with um, What's, what's kind of the biggest challenges you see when, uh, when they're facing the pandemic, the changes that have been wrought by that? Um, I, I, I'm hesitant to go back to my previous answer to the previous question, but they're so <laughs> set in a certain way that they do things that they right. forget the underlying fundamental, right? It's, it's um, I get this all the time. Well, Jeff, I can't meet people for beers anymore. I can't take people out to coffee anymore. We can't have dinner. We can still play golf, but you know, there's, there's a lot of things I used to do a lot in person. Um, I worked with a client just the other day. So well, we used to, we used to fly anywhere. And now, our, you know, we're realizing our phone skills are terrible. And it's like, you know, and they want like phone skill training. It's like, you don't need phone skill training. Your people don't realize that they can deliver the same message over the phone or over Zoom that they can in person. And they don't realize that because they really don't have a handle on the message. They just think that an expense account is going to get them where they need to go. And if I can butter someone up or buy them a bunch of things or make them like me, then they're going to give me the business. And we have a lot of old complacent salespeople who've been doing this a long time who just believe that this is a relationship business. And, you know, that's how you get things done. Well, how do you break into an industry if you don't have relationships? 
you convey value by being an expert in a pro in solving a problem that people have. I don't need experience in an industry to, to know how to sell, right? I don't need an experience in an industry to sell in a particular industry because I know how to sell. Whereas some other people just know how to spend their company's money to entertain people and sometimes just get them intoxicated enough to sign on the dotted line, right? Like, <laughs> well, that is really old selling. school. That's, yeah, it's, that's not selling. <laughs> but then there are still some industries where they believe that and there are still some superstitions and some legends about that's how you're supposed to do it. And what I'm realizing, and I don't know if you're seeing this too, there's a lot of younger, newer salespeople who are totally uncomfortable with that. Right. Feel like yeah. that's how it has to be done. And it's like, no, we solve problems. We yeah, solve find out what the problem is. And if you have a solution, find a way to yes. uh, communicate that to them. Yes. Yeah. So the, the, the biggest struggle is I used to do it this way and I don't know how to pivot. Well, I would argue that you, the way you did it before, you weren't all that effective at it. And the common root to how to sell well the old way and how to sell well the quote new way, you know, right now is understand how you help people, understand how you're differentiated, understand who those people are and have real conversations about the problems they're facing, whether or not they know them. Here's the other yeah. thing, you know that they have problems before they do. And so people get the objection of, well, I don't have the budget for that. I wouldn't imagine you would have the budget for that. I just introduced this concept for you. How could you possibly, how could you possibly have planned for this nine months ago? Right. right? But I see this coming in the next three to six months and you don't. Uh, and it doesn't mean you no. don't have money. Yeah. That's the thing, right? It doesn't mean that the company doesn't have money. They just didn't know that they had to spend it on this right now. And if the problem is big enough, if the solution is valuable enough, that money will be found, I promise. And at the very least, they will budget you for next year. Yeah. So that they can pay you next year. And that's good too. And um, anyway, I, I'm a little passionate about this. You, you are. And I, and I love um, that. So I think one of the <laughs> biggest things that I learned over time uh, learning sales uh, was that uh, the less you talk, the better off you'll be. You're asking a lot of questions. You want to get them talking. That'll open up uh, knowledge and information that you didn't previously have. And especially if you just say, well, what happens next? And what's next? And, 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 and then that gets them even unveiling more. As a friend of mine put it, you're peeling the onion one layer at a oh, time. Yeah. And I like that analogy because it really, it, it makes you think, okay, what's one more layer? We're not quite there yet, but uh, we're getting there. Do you find that some of your, uh, the people you work with, the companies are shifting gears as to what they're selling just because the market's changed? Uh, I, that's certainly a uh, uh, true in the trade show world because no one's going to shows exhibits uh, aren't happening they aren't back yet and it looks like it'll be a while so the people that make and manufacture and sell exhibits aren't really selling them but they're shifting gears to a certain extent using those building blocks to make office dividers uh, hand sanitizer stations those mm -hmm. types of things and so other markets are opening up while some are closing what do you see i'm just curious oh that's, I see, that's really clever, right? I mean, using, how can, okay, we have raw building materials to make exhibits. Right. Well, now exhibits aren't being made. How can we make, use these raw materials to do other things? Right. That's really clever. The, where I'm working primarily in the digital marketing space and in the um, physical therapy kind of medical space and medical device companies, things like that. These are companies who do what they do and they don't have the ability to pivot quite in. That right. Much. Way. It's a bigger thing. I understand that. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but what I am seeing is, okay, we sell trade show exhibits. One way to pivot is to use these physical goods to make other things. The other thing is, well, we help companies with trade shows. 
we're their partners in trade show expertise. Um, we're going to help assist them in the pivot, at least currently, to digital trade shows. We're going to be thinking ahead of time about how we can leverage digital tools. Um, I have a friend who's putting on a show and it's going to have to be canceled. And I don't know when this is going to air. So I'm not going to break any news to anybody. So I won't <laughs> tell you which one it is. But in some ways, he said, you know what? My sponsors are actually more excited about a digital, a virtual show than they are an in-person show. And so it was a really interesting way to pivot for this particular group because they, they said like our sponsors can have more interactivity with this. And this actually opens up other potentials if we're create other potential, if we're creative enough. Now, you know, as well as I do, the magic of a trade show is that in between time, right? It's, right. it's not in the exhibit hall. It's not in the lecture hall. It's the social outing. It's the ice cream, yeah. you know, it's the ice cream social. It's the happy hour. It's the, you know, whatever it is. And it's an opportunity to meet and really interact with other people. That's hard to recreate digitally. It, yeah, you can't not. because face to face is human contact is what we all live for. We're humans. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You can do a certain amount of that uh, on a Zoom meeting, like we're doing. I can see your face. I can see your reaction. Sure. I can hear your voice. I can I can see you know what you what you're thinking in a sense. But you're right. Uh, I think what what I've I've had a lot of conversations about the the whole digital the, the virtual shows and even when shows come back, I think virtual aspects of that will be bigger than they used to be. I know that. Uh, 10 years ago when, when uh, there was a lot of instances of virtual shows, we're going to hold a virtual show and it was kind of clunky and you saw the interface online. It was like, eh, you know, and it wasn't well attended. There were a few that were okay. Right. But when I read, you know, CES in January in, in Vegas, they're going completely digital um, as are a lot of others, but that's like the biggest that's, show that's huge. And so, yeah. and, and even in their press release, they said it was a tough choice we, but we have to be safe and this is actually a more expensive way for us to go, but we, we're going to do everything we can to make it as successful as possible. And so we're curious to see how they pull it off. Uh, there was a show uh, recently in Florida that was part of the exhibit industry called, um, I think together again. And they had, I don't know, 200 exhibitors, 1500 uh, attendees and about 8,000 or so attending online. Uh, and so there is an aspect to video and digital virtual, however you want to describe it, that will, I think, remain. And you and I talked a little bit about video before we, we got on back in the green room. So how do you see video playing into, uh, you know, what you're, what you're teaching and, and training on? Well, I, I think that face-to-face -face conversation is really beneficial. And I think, again, if you have your messaging down, you can get a meeting and be way more effective in 15 minutes than you can in two hours trying to walk the trade show floor or stand behind your booth, right? If you give people a reason to talk to you, then you can be much more succinct with your communication and video facilitates that. Like you just mentioned, we can still read body language. You can read my facial expressions. You can see if I'm looking the other way. You can see if you have my attention. I mean, when you think about the benefits of that and even for sponsors of trade shows, how often are you on YouTube and a little watermark or a little pop-up pops up you know, part of the way through, click here for the, you know, a, a special deal or, or something like that. I mean, sponsors will be able to put themselves in front of attendees rather yeah. than waiting for attendees to go to sponsors. Because I stopped going to a lot of trade shows because I heard from my customers that they purposely avoided the exhibit hall. I'm like, well, what am I doing here? <laughs> and so, you know, here's my money. Thank you. Right. Um, but I, I think video is one of those things that is much more prevalent we all have FaceTime or some kind of instant message, kind of video messaging on our phones. I think we have 
you know, we all have access to Zoom or WebEx or Google Hangouts or Microsoft Teams, whatever it is. Um, and I think that people just need to embrace it a little bit. I think it's, and I was just writing about this this morning that we're so eagerly anticipating things to get back to quote normal right. what they were. And if my experience going back to the gym yesterday for the first time in four months is anything, it's, it's, it's clear to me that we have a lot of work to do before we can even establish normal or reestablish normal once we've been given the permission to do it. Right? So now is the time to focus on your messaging, your target markets, your value proposition, the, the way you solve problems for the people who have them. And then don't be afraid to leverage video because we're not going to be able to wait this thing out. Look, coronavirus is bigger than all of us. It's bigger than all of us. Yeah. And the sooner we recognize that, the sooner you realize how little you're able to actually control it. Now you stop trying to control it and you think about the things that you can control. And I, I teach out of Stephen Covey and the seven habits of highly effective people regularly because it's such a profound work, but yeah. there's the circle of influence and there's the circle of concern and COVID is a circle of concern kind of thing. It changes our circle of influence. So focus on what you can do and maybe you can't go to a trade show, but if you have a compelling reason for someone to sit down with you for 10 minutes, you can do it over video with anybody in the world. There are opportunities here for people who are looking for them. And if you're, you know, kind of turtle heading it, just kind of waiting for the storm to pass. I don't know yeah. if you can wait. To, I can't wait to challenge. Yeah. And, and if you're doing a zoom meeting for 10 or 15 minutes, you don't have to fly across the country. You oh just, my gosh. You know. <laughs> yeah. And, and you, you know, look, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm wearing pants right now, but you didn't know that. Right. Like it's, it's one of those things you can get ready so much more yeah. quickly. Like I mean, when I think about if I was going to fly to see you, that's a four and a half hour flight from right. Detroit to PDX. It's I've, I've had, it's not a bad flight, but it's four and a half hours. What, how many zoom meetings can I have in four and a half hours? I a bunch. Eight, a I can bunch. Have eight, yeah. 15 minute meetings yeah. with plenty of breaks. Like, and if I've got compelling reasons for my prospects to have those meetings with me, I can be so much more productive I mean, I still want to come and see you because I really like Portland. And right, yeah. Great experience. But I think you hit it on the head. Give them a reason. Give them a, a, a valid reason to talk to you and they'll do it. If you don't, they won't. So um, that comes so, back to your messaging. I agree. I, yeah, I hate to be so boring and keep talking about messaging and, and things like that, <laughs> but that's really what people have to get figured out. Jeff, I appreciate catching up with you. How's a great way for people to find you online before I let you go? Um, jeffbajoric.com. That's the the fastest way. And okay. um, you're a part of my little online community. Yep. If you want to go to rethinkthewayyousell.com, that'll uh, let you in or allow you to apply. Um, there's a brief questionnaire. I'm just kind of screening people as they come in, but it's an online community and it's basically- it's a little focused community on sales. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, we're, we're having fun and I've got big plans for it. You're only seeing the, the beta version of it right now, but uh, <laughs> it's a cool way for people to interact and I love the platform that it's on. So jeffbajoric.com. That's where you can find me. And I mean, everything I do is kind of attached right. to that. Exactly. And if you're curious about the community, you can go to rethinkthewayyousell.com. Jeff, it's always good. Thank you so much. I appreciate it and be well. Oh, this was great, Tim. Thanks. All right. Thanks again to Jeff Bajoric uh, for a great conversation. Check the show notes, jeffbajoric.com. Uh, you can find his website there and connect with him. I'd suggest uh, subscribing to his newsletter, maybe even downloading the free uh, ebook that he has on the five uh, missing principles is the five forgotten principles of selling. I think it's, I think that's what it is. It's a good little ebook. Um, and that puts you on his newsletter just like that. So thanks again, Jeff. Uh, so last week's one good thing was the fact that NBA was back starting. It was a little 
late because the NBA had been going for a couple of weeks. All you know, 20 teams got together, played eight games, and out of that, they now have 16 teams for the NBA Finals, which start this week. Uh, I'm going to re-up the NBA as this week's one good thing because over the weekend, on Saturday, the Blazers beat the Grizzlies in a play-in game, and they made eighth spot, eighth out of eight, <laughs> Uh, and they are in the playoffs. They get to they, they have the honor now of facing LeBron James and Anthony Davis and the rest of the uh, Los Angeles Lakers. Although the Lakers have a couple of uh, significant injuries, so and the Blazers are playing way over their heads. Who knows what will happen in an eight-game or seven-game series. Uh, it'll be fun to watch. Anyway, that's this week's one good thing. That's this week's Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee. Please go to tradeshowguy.net where you'll find all things to do with the company, with the books I've written, and some freebies there, downloads, videos, other things. It's all right there, tradeshowguy.net. Have yourself a great week. Uh, let's do it again in a week from now. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs>